Google. Search up Rohingya people. Go to images. Look at the images. Would you want your family to be in that type of pain? No, right? Would you want anyone, not just your family, anyone to be in that type of pain? Always running on boats across the Indian Ocean, never knowing if you could, you're going to make it to the other side. Kids starving. Would you want anyone or even your family to feel that type of pain? Obviously, a good person would say no. And I'll tell them, if you don't, then why don't you do anything to stop it? Why don't you do anything to learn more about it? And how have you never heard of them? You're listening to Seeking Refuge, a podcast sharing the human stories of refugees. Your host for this week is Jackie Burnett. a student at the University of Waterloo in Ontario, Canada. Mohamed, it's good to meet you and I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, to begin, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, thank you. It's nice to meet you as well. Um, my name is Mohamed Rafiq and I go to the University of Waterloo. I am currently studying uh, global business and digital arts. I am a refugee. I'm a Rohingya and I strive, like even though I I went into the program of Google Business and Digital Arts. My top priority, my goal in life is to make my people known. That's a very noble goal and um, one that I think more people should strive to. And I'm really um, excited to hear that you're working towards it. Do you know um, what you want to do with that business degree um, post-college? I wanted to become a, um, a UX designer. That's a, a goal of mine. But um, I still don't uh, exactly know. I also want to uh, become a lawyer, maybe. That's cool. Yeah, but it just I'm just second guessing myself because it's eight years. <laughs> it's another four years plus uh, undergraduate. But uh, if I am able to become a lawyer, it will greatly help my community and it could help a lot of other people as well. Uh, I definitely agree. I know I also struggle with what I want to do. There's too many things. Um, but I think you have some really good options. Definitely being a lawyer can help people, but there's so many other ways as well. Um, you said that you're Rohingya. Can you talk a little bit about your background? Just like tell your story as much as you're comfortable telling. Now, I would say that I'm very, very, very lucky. Sometimes just I just think that I think about people that weren't able to come over to this country, like weren't able to, you know, even get a glimpse of freedom. It, it's like, it makes me sad, really sad, honestly. I, I just question myself, why did I get the opportunity and why did I get the chance? And if I don't do something with this chance that I was given, that I was lucky enough to come to this country and do something with my life. It's like, it's not, I, I want to do something. Like, I don't, I don't want to just stay, stay here and not do anything because that's not, I, I'm just ruining the opportunities that I was given. Makes a lot of sense. Um, it sounds like from what you're studying and doing that you are um, following with that goal and trying to do something that's really going to impact change. When did you come to Canada? 2007. Okay. Again, as much as you're comfortable with, how was the transition coming into Canada? The transition coming to Canada. Uh, or like starting a new life in Canada. I'm sure it has to be 
there's things I can't even imagine. So like, uh, when we first came to Canada, like I had uh, no idea how cold it was here at first. <laughs> like coming to Canada was a miracle for my parents and us. There's a lot of people that we wanted to bring here as well, but that couldn't you know, happen. My first time uh, landing in, uh, at the airport and just looking up at the tall buildings was uh, it just it's just mind blowing because that that isn't isn't something that we have back home. Also, like how uh, how you guys wear big jackets and <laughs> and some people saw you know the snow that was on the ground. Some people thought that was like some kind of flower or something. <laughs> yeah, I uh, hate the snow. Um... I'm in the United States. I'm in mm-hmm. very South United States, and I came down here for college intentionally to get away from the snow. Um, uh, I've grown to like snow, actually. You have okay. It's, at first, like the cold isn't really the best, but the you know going skiing, you know, uh, snowboarding is really fun. Yeah, I bet. Um, how long, I guess, did it take to adjust to the culture? Did you come here speaking um, English? Not at all. We, um, it took a long, long, long time to adjust to the culture because it's not only that we're different by looks, we're also different by how we act or how, how we do stuff. Like our people, we like, uh, we like to just, uh, do everything without planning. We just go with the flow of life. Um, Western Western culture is more planned and more uh, thorough, and everything is has to happen in a current way. And there's schedules. We don't know what schedules are. We just do what <laughs> we want. That's really funny. Um, yeah. What was it like to learn English or to come here not knowing any English? For me, English was. Uh, I learned English pretty fast, and English was pretty easy for me. But a lot of. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of other people, English is very, very tough because English wasn't, isn't related, like even close mm-hmm. to our own language at all. It's completely mm-hmm. different. And English is a very, very strange language. One word means several things. I'm currently learning Arabic. Well, I'm learning Spanish and I'm learning Arabic. And I just learned Arabic and it's very, and very this, different. And We have the same plan then. Yeah, I'm trying to learn Arabic and okay. Spanish as well. Well, Ahlan, um, <laughs> but Hola. <laughs> I guess, um, but it, it's so different and I can't imagine Spanish is somewhat similar to English, but Arabic is nothing like it. So if I was like put in that culture without like any background, it'd be so difficult, but Arabic somewhat easy ish to learn. There's like roots and it makes sense. English makes no sense. Um, I still yeah, English, English makes no sense. Sometimes I just. Uh, with even a tone can change the whole meaning of uh, like something that someone says yeah my mom always says it's not what you say it's how you say it yeah (laughs) so um how do your parents did they pick up English quickly um or did it take them a while do they know English currently um my parents uh know English a little bit but it takes them a while to learn English it's um it's very hard for them it's it's harder to, uh, since like they didn't really go to school like as much as I did or have friends that speak uh, English all the time, they haven't uh, quite uh, got fluent yet. 
but they're good at uh, Rohingya, so that's what I care about. That's the important thing. I'm sure there's a lot of stereotypes around refugees in the United States. There's a lot of beliefs out there that are false that the media perpetrates um, and that just surround refugees that are not true and it really impacts how refugees are treated in the United States. Um, I'm sure that's true in Canada, but I don't want to assume. Have you noticed any stereotypes around refugees in Canada? Um, have you faced any stigma and how has that experience been? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, media just portrays whatever gets the views, honestly. Um, when when I was uh, growing up, it was just amazed me how when I, people ask, like teachers ask me, uh, even geography teachers ask me, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Burma and I am a Rohingya. And they're like, where's Burma? They didn't know who I was or where I was from, where my country was located. It was mind blowing. As I said, a geography teacher. And they didn't know where that country was or where I was from. So for when I was small, I used to lie of where I was from. I used to lie of what I was because I didn't want people to ask so many questions uh, uh, about me and like just know that I'm a refugee as well. I used to hide that because I see people like same as me, but that they, they never hided it. And they get made fun of, bullied or questioned about so many things that are irrelevant to them. Like make fun of like, uh, oh, do you have any money? Do you have anything to eat? It's like they're caring, but also degrading your life. They just, they just think that you have nothing at all and you can't be anything just because you're a refugee. Uh, I had this interview with uh, like a parent-teacher interview with this one teacher. And the way she was talking to my mom is just very disrespectful. She's just like moving her mouth very fast and talking English very fast. And she just expects like my mom to understand. And when she doesn't understand, she gets riled up and kind of mad, which made me very, very, like very mad at her. And I did not like that teacher at all. It's just, we shouldn't treat refugees as they don't know anything. They have their own uh, values and morals as well. And they have their own understanding of life. Even if they don't understand your language, they understand your body language because body language can say a lot. That's very true. I know. Um, first, thank you for answering all my questions today. I hope it's more about sharing your story and less about questioning who you are. No, no, you're doing you're doing an amazing job. As I said, <laughs> this is something that not a lot of people do. Like learning about refugees and learning about what's happening in the world. It's like that's a real reality. It's not the a bubble that we are living in. It's not reality. That's just your own fake imagination. There's a lot happening in this world. It's not just all happy. And I also know the media really has a problem with it, either in the United States portraying refugees as coming over and stealing our jobs, which is just a problem in and of itself. But also they like to portray refugees as having absolutely no agency. And all the photos or like videos are all like very sad when refugees are resilient people that at least in the United States and every country make our country better. Um, and that's something that really we're striving to correct and show that refugees have agency, they're strong-willed, they're great people that bring a lot to the table, they're just like everyone else. So I definitely agree with you that the stereotypes and stigma really need to change because they're not true. People need to understand that they stigmatize refugees of not being hardworking, they're just lazy people. But 
to me, they're the most hardworking people in this country because they have everything to lose. Their family, they already lost most of their family. They don't want to lose more. They are willing to work hard their entire life if they're given the chance. Is there, um, switching gears a little, is there a big refugee community in your area? Uh, I moved currently, but in the Chandler area, everyone is just all closely uh, binded. There's all the Rohingya people just uh, living there. And we're all just helping each other. We all know each other. And it's just a big, big, big family. We're always there for each other because you never know when, uh, you know, we need help. Is that where you first moved to when you came to Canada? Yes. Okay, so how did they help you with the transition? Just just being there. It's just seeing old faces. It made me uh, not feel alone. Seeing people that look like yourself it takes away like being scared of in a new country, a new place. And just the same people that you know, and like that look like you are there as well. They can help you and, you know, guide you. So just everyone just being there, being supportive and helping each other really helped me get through uh, the first stages of Canada. Switching gears again. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Um, That's good. So for our listeners who most likely aren't as familiar with what is happening in Burma, um, and even who the Rohingya people are, if you could talk just a little bit about the situation. The situation is, um, it's ethnic cleansing. And it's been going on for decades. And people just heard it recently. It's been going on for decades and decades. Just, just people, innocent people, just getting kicked out of their own country just because some people don't, respect their religion or respect how they look or respect just who they are it isn't right and just the whole world just not knowing about it it amazes me it is definitely sad to think that it's just something that's now i think in 2017 is when it came into like the global public eye and it's horrifying to think about how much longer things were going on beforehand and how the global presence hasn't really been able to do anything to my knowledge to like enact actual change. Yeah. And like the United Nations have even declared us the most persecuted people in the world and no one even took a glance. What would you like people to know about um, the Rohingya? I guess it's hard to like talk about your whole people But again, like we see one image of just you guys being persecuted people. And that's all we see. But what's something you want to share about like your culture, your people that you love? When you search up images of any other, you know, race or any other um, type of people, like if you search up Mexicans or you search up Canadians, you just see images of several uh, diversity, just people being happy, doing what they love. And the Rohingya people didn't have a choice of that. If you search up on Google, you'll see images of just tears, bloodshed, and just people filled with sadness and terror. But that's not how, like, our people are happy people. We love just being in a community and just thriving, going out and, like, farming, just looking at the sunset, uh, waking up every morning, not worrying about what to eat next or what is going to happen. Like, not worrying about when the police come, if they're going to protect you or attack you. The system, the, the, not trusting the, your own country system, not trusting 
the people that are that given jobs to protect you just instead they harm you and you know they blackmail you if you don't give me this much amount of money this guy's gonna go to jail like it just isn't right just living in constant fear it isn't it just isn't right i wish i had the ability just to just go there and just change it myself but i don't have that role in life if i did i would if you could change one thing in canada concerning refugees or one thing globally in order to help refugees what would that be if there could be i would like to have a like if a not a show or a a podcast or something like in the media that shares stories of refugees and shares stories of of refugees not only just being refugees but being having a status in the country and just becoming someone cuz not a lot of refugee youth or a lot of, a lot of refugee kids have a role model in this in the in this country and i personally would like to be one if i could just having a role model is a big deal as you know raz contacted you he he is one of my role models and uh a person named Anwar is also my role model he taught me they taught me a lot of things and how important education was and how how much it could change the world and having that type of role model is very very important to refugees cuz people are always constantly telling that you can't do this you can't do that you're not good enough you're just a refugee you don't know english you don't know that but having a role model is just a motivation cuz he is a refugee and he was able to become this successful person why can i not people tend to give up really easily when actually they should give up really easily if people are constantly degrading them to just refugees and not more of more of people you know cuz they they could become way more than uh what they are right now it's just people just see them as a lower level than them and that they will never become something but having a role model or someone that is a refugee and has become something in life gives you a motivation for example my my uncle he worked very hard in his life he worked two three jobs just working just working and he was one of the first rohingyas that are in this community that bought his own house that gave all the other rohingyas in the community motivation they all started working jobs one two jobs and everyone was just working very hard all you all they need is a role model all they need is someone like that is shown that they can do it and it's possible this because people tell you you don't know english or you don't know this that's all crap you know everything you just got to work hard now my my dad followed in my uncle's footsteps and now we have our own house as well and there's many families that are going to buy a house soon and they're going to have a status in this country and have have a place to call home this may sound cheesy but that is something we've been looking for for a while a place to call home i know it may sound crazy but our citizenship our rights our human rights everything was taken away from from our back home it's sometimes it's sad when like i call it back home because i was not ne- we were never treated as it was home in canada we've been treated so well and so kindly and if someone i, I can say that i'm from burma but i belong in canada i have somewhere that i belong i have a home <laughs> i know it sounds cheesy but like it's just how i feel it's just i'm just happy to finally have a home somewhere i belong It's definitely not cheesy, no, but I do love that you said that. It makes me so happy that 
you guys were able to find a home and that you have those role models in your life because it is something a lot of people need. It's something I take for granted having those role models and having people tell me that I can do whatever I put my mind to. And I definitely agree. Like if people were saying to me that I couldn't, it would be something I would internalize and something I would say, well, they're saying I can't do this. They're saying I'm not worth anything. Like, I guess I'm not. So it is something that I'm glad you have those people in your life that can change your mindset about that and have changed your mindset and your family's mindset so that you're able to accomplish um, all that you should be able to accomplish, all that you can accomplish. I didn't directly uh, answer your question, but what I would like to change is how there needs to be more of a guide for Rohingya, for like not Rohingya, I mean refugee people, someone that can guide them to the right things to do or guide them to life in Canada. Because life in Canada is completely different how how it is back home. Life in Canada, you have to work hard for what you uh what you get. You have to work hard for the money. You have to work hard to, you know, have a good life in Canada. Back home, we all had everything. We all had our own land, our own house, our own farm. We owned everything. In Canada, you have to work hard to start owning those stuff, and you have to build your life slowly. But no one really taught no one really comes there and teaches refugees life skills and how they should you know what they should do in their future they only talk about their present or the past but no one talk about refugees future that should be more you know that should be their priority because they shouldn't refugees shouldn't just be taught to just go to the welfare and start eating welfare all all the time because welfare is amazing i appreciate it so much it helps us at the start but if we don't start working get a job learn some English. Getting a job is the best way to learn English because you're constantly communicating with other people. And so if we're not guided to get a job and build our own future, get a car, start a family, and not just live in the government houses because that's just burning away your money, but invest in a house and maybe later on sell it and just become people in this world, people in Canada. That should be something, there should be a guide to tell you that, like what you should do in your future. Or else everyone is just sitting there not doing anything and just relying on welfare. And that's not good for both of us. Mm-hmm. Like our um, family had Anwar and he was our guide. And he showed, he just, he didn't only talk because he was a Rohingya himself. He didn't only talk about his present or he didn't even, he didn't even talk about our past because he knows our past. He knows what we've been through. And it has to be someone like that. A refugee that's helping refugees. It's not someone that has no experience with refugees just, trying to understand them because you're like i'm sorry but you never will because you've never been through all that you've never been through the horror you never you've been, you've never been through just running and always having to look back always having to see what's behind you always having to see if there's someone to just someone there to hurt you because no one has ever felt that kind of fear anwar understood that Anwar understood because he was a refugee himself and he just, he showed us the way, he guided us through life and showed us that this, your present, your past, don't worry about it because you can change that. You can become something better in the future. That was, uh, that was, that is what he told us. And that's what we try to accomplish. And if you look at, like, look at us now, I'm very proud of what I've become. Speaking of the future, I know you mentioned what you want to do post-college, but more broadly, I guess, um, or including that, what are some things you're excited for in the future, some of your goals um, or your family's goals? Uh, right now, I am currently volunteering for the Rohingya Association of Canada. My uh, future goals are just us as an organization 
becoming something bigger so, and impacting this world way like way more and like just being known and being Rohingya people being known in the future like, even now a lot of Rohingya people like if I tell people I'm Rohingya they're they're known they understand where I'm from it's just it's an amazing feeling and I not to like brag or anything but I try I did I did a lot for um like just so our our name could be noticed our place like of where we are from can be recognized we did this in like 2016 2017 we did this uh, a play called I am Rohingya just to visually represent how our people are treated a glimpse in the life of a Rohingya person and we showed the whole story from the beginning of how when everything was peaceful and when ethnic cleansing started you know genocide and then we showed the story of some people being lucky enough to come to Canada and just showed how freedom is worth a lot and showed how Canada helped our people and Canada supported our people how much we could have became and um we all, we also did a documentary that has won many awards and this year it's going to be uh submitted to the film festival which is amazing is it possible for me to find this documentary Yeah, if you search up I am Rohingya, uh you should be able to find it. That's amazing that's being submitted to a film festival. It won many many awards. When we did that play or drama, is people started in, "Oh, you're the kid and tell me more about Rohingya people." I'm like, they want to know about us. And I never knew how kind and um just wanting to learn more about people that Canadians are. I never knew that. I was always afraid of us being judged or you know discriminated because that's how we were the entire life. But it's just that people didn't know about us. It's just mind blowing that people didn't know anything about the Rohingya people. I thought you know they were just ignoring us or ignoring the reality, but in fact we were just not known. It's crazy to me in this world of technology, in this world of media, in this world of everyone knowing information in an instant, and we were just unknown. No one just noticed. No one noticed the whole genocide, a whole ethnic cleansing going on in this world. But I'm glad that the documentary and or the play or the constant demonstrations that uh, our people did in this Canada, uh, the Rango Association of Canada did all the demonstrations, the the speeches, the shows, the presentations. It helped and. I'm just I'm happy that I helped and I we like it made a difference in this world. I'm definitely going to go watch that. I would say or kind of asking are there any I don't want to say instructions, but I'm not sure what the word is. What tips would you give people or what instructions would you give people so that they do know about the Rohingya? First of all, before everything, my first thing would be go on Google, search up Rohingya people. Go to images, look at the images. Would you want your family to be in that type of pain? No, right? Would you want anyone, not just your family, anyone to be in that type of pain, always running on boats across the Indian Ocean, never knowing if you could you're going to make it to the other side. Kids starving. Would you want anyone or even your family to feel that type of pain? Obviously, a good person would say no. And I'll tell them if you don't then why don't you do anything to stop it why don't you do anything to learn more about it and how have you never heard of them and I would tell them that these images could be changed there could be happy images of our people people having picnics going on long walks people just laughing you could be the change 
And I'll tell them to do some research on their own about our people. And most likely watch this I Am Rango film. <laughs> you know, just promoting my own film. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless no, but It's very, it's very, very um, informative. There's a lot of interviews of many Rohingya people that share their story. Yeah, I'll tell them to watch this film and um, just learn about our people and just try to feel a glimpse of our, our, our life and how it feels to just always be, like, always running, always being chased by fear. I think it's very powerful what you're talking about with the images um, and very true because while some people, maybe they can't take many actions specifically to improve the situation, they can improve it just by like, knowing about it and doing research. Yeah. The best action that could be done is knowing, knowing information. Information is a big, big deal. And with many people having huge media presences, they could just share their story on social platforms and talk about Rohingya people. And that could spread. And if that, if that could spread, it would be amazing. Then, then we would be known and people in power, people in the parliament, they will, they will start to notice. And when they start to notice, there's some people that can actually do stuff. They can actually change the way our people are being treated. Sorry, a lot of times I don't know what to say after because I hate saying speechless, but that's what it is. So Uh, We have, I and a couple of other Rohingya people, we had several conversations with uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister. And he has actually helped our people uh, quite a bit. Through the Rohingya Association of Canada, we brought over many many rohingyas uh over to this country i think six or seven families now and uh, we've been all living in the same area and i've been going there supporting them uh teaching them the ways of canada and how how this crazy stove works (laughs) and uh it's amazing just seeing new families here and seeing them really happy it sounds like your wish or desire for a plan in canada and for role models that you're kind of being that for other people through your role, which is amazing. I hope to be. I hope to be. So you said you spoke with Justin Trudeau? Yeah, this is... So uh, we all had a... Because of the drama and this play, they started to notice. And we had a seating at the parliament. And we had a little conversation. Not This wasn't a long conversation, obviously. He's a busy guy. But... You know, we had a little conversation with Justin Trudeau and he said that he noticed our people and he noticed what has been happening. He would try his best to help and that he would donate some uh, money to our cause. And he has, he has greatly helped our people, but there's more that can be done. And there's more that our organization, the Rohingya Association of Canada can do. And there's more that you guys can do, like, you know, informing people, informing people about all the to all the wars, all the killings in other countries, such as what's happening in Yemen, what's happening in like all, like it's all around the world. It's just people just filled with hatred again for each other. I don't, I, I personally don't understand why there's all of this, you know, hatred. We're, at the end of the day, we're just all, you know, flesh and blood is just like, we don't really have to start killing each other. But there's probably more to this than what, you know, meets the eye. It's impossible to fathom why war happens and how genocides happen and what the rationale is, but also how so much of it goes unnoticed or uncared about in the world and how our world leaders can focus on other things that are much less important than a human life. People just tend to care about themselves, honestly. It's just one thing I would like to say 
The country is Saudi Arabia. Like, I have nothing against them. But they're a Muslim country. And fellow Muslims are being tortured. And the neighbors of Saudi Arabia. Neighbors. They just, just watched. They themselves, Muslim. Muslims mean peace. And just helping people. And I'm a Muslim myself. And it ruins the name of our people. And it ruins... Is Saudi Arabia the center of all, like, the center? That's where all the Muslims want to go because that's where the center of Islam is. And just them not helping their own neighbors, their own brothers and sisters is just crazy to me. I have so enjoyed speaking with you today um, and hearing your story and your perspective on everything. And I guess before we end, is there anything you'd like to say that I haven't covered um, or that you'd like to tell our audience anything at all? The one thing I would just like to say is we all try to say that we're living in reality and we're, we know everything, but just don't, just don't try to put yourself in a bubble because you don't know everything and there's much more there to learn. Just, just be a student of life. That's, that's my life, uh, life model. Be a student of life because there's always more to learn. There's always more to know and there's always more to do. There's never nothing. There's never, I did, I did enough. It's never enough. It's only enough when the change could be done. Even a little, a little help can make a big difference. You probably hear this a lot, but it's, it's honestly very true. I thought I was just doing a little, a little play, a little documentary, or doing a little demonstration. It has become such a big thing. There's people that notice those little things, and those people can make those little things into a big difference. So never, never think to yourself that, what you do, like right now doing this interview, doing this podcast, it's not something small. It, may, it means a lot to me. This is very big and it could become very big in the future. So thank you. It's uh, only possible because people like you decide to help us out and to share your story. And I have so many big dreams for this podcast and I do hope that it continues to grow into something bigger and to become a bigger platform to reach more people and to make everyone's story um, and all these truths known. And I definitely, I do love the idea of being a student of life. I think I will second your instruction to our audience to continue to learn, to continue to look up things, saying exactly what you said to our audience to be a student of life. Um, But thank you so much for talking with me today. I really can't thank you enough. It has been a wonderful experience for me and I'm very excited for everyone to hear it. Thank you so much. That was Jackie Burnett speaking with today's guest, Mohammed Rafiq, about his experience as a refugee and his advocacy work for other Rohingya people. If you'd like to learn more about the Rohingya Association of Canada or the I Am Rohingya play and documentary, check out the links in our show notes below. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at refugepodcast. As always, a big thank you to Maxi International House for making this show possible. Next week, we'll be returning to our regular season, bringing you the stories from the biggest displacement crises around the world from the last year. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.